0: We're going to start with Matthew, I mean Mark 15, if you want to turn there. We're working our way with Jesus to the cross. And ultimately to the resurrection. As Daniel shared last week, we're kind of walking with Jesus, beginning at the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and then this morning we're going to follow him through four other occasions as he heads to the cross. Uh, the way of suffering, Jesus was called a, um, a man of suffering. And we're going to see that this morning as we read and as we talk through these passages. Um, it's really going to, I hope, hit us. What it meant for Jesus to identify with us and to go to the cross on on our behalf. Um, So, if you're in Mark 15, if you have one of these Bibles that was just passed out, it is on page 712, is where I'll begin reading. Mark 15, verse 16. You want to stand with me while I read, please? Mark 15, verse 16. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers, and they put a purple robe on him, and they And then they twisted together a crown of thorns, and they set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! And again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. And falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. Verse 21, And a certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way from, in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. And they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And then if you'd flip to Luke... Twenty three, Luke twenty three, page seven thirty seven, starting at verse twenty six. Luke twenty three, twenty six. And as the soldiers led him away. They seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way and from the country, and they put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. And a large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, blessed are the childless women and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. And then they will say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Pray with me, please. So, Father, I ask that you would open our eyes afresh this morning in a a very sober and serious way to the reality of what it meant for Jesus to walk purposefully towards the cross on our behalf. And Father, that you would open our eyes to just the amazing love that compelled him and that that love would in the same way compel us. To give our lives for other people in Jesus' name, Amen. amen. You sit down. Why must the road to salvation? be so full of suffering? I want you to think about that. We're supposed to walk by Christ? Thinking about Christ right now, and, and we're going to add ourselves onto this picture, but why did Christ's road to salvation, to our salvation, have to be so full of suffering? A couple of little quips here for us to think about and just get the reality of present-day suffering in the name of Christ. Christians are reviled by Hindu extremist groups in India who see Christian evangelists as undermining the Hindu-based caste system. Violence against Christians continues at an alarming rate. Daily persecution comes in the forms of beatings, murders, imprisonments, church demolitions, destruction of property, and Bible burnings. We don't know any of that. Perpetrators are rarely charged with these crimes. Six Indian states have laws against religious conversion that are used against Christians. In fact, in, on March last year, it says 16 new Christian converts were arrested for converting to Christianity without a permit. We don't have to have permits to become Christians here, in case you wondered. If, if, you thought, if that's what was keeping you from becoming a Christian. North Korea is the worst perpetrator of persecution against Christians in the world. Christians are tortured, <coughs> imprisoned, and murdered, private non-state sanctioned religious activity is prohibited. Anyone discovered engaging in secret religious activity is subject to arrest, torture, or even public execution. But the North Korean government is careful to maintain its facade of religious freedom, and so when Christians are executed, they're typically charged as being spies or being involved any legal activity. Despite this, the the estimates are that as many as 100,000 believers worship secretly in North Korea. Isn't that amazing? The cost those brothers and sisters in Christ are willing to count to do what we do openly. Experts estimate that of the hundreds of thousands of individuals incarcerated in labor and concentration camps about 30,000 are there for their faith in Christ. Why must the road to salvation be so full of suffering? In fact, in Matthew 16:21, Peter we see recoiling like we would at Jesus's words in Matthew 16:21 where Jesus says it it, it is necessary, speaking about himself, that I suffer many terrible things. Man, this is what Jesus was purposefully looking forward to as he headed to the cross. Necessary that he suffer many terrible things. And Peter so recoiled at Jesus' words that he tried to stop Jesus, if you remember, from going the way of suffering, the way of the cross. We recoil at words like that, don't we? I mean, (laughs) we should. I mean, we recoil at words like Jesus speaks in Luke 21, 17, where he says, all men will hate you because of me. And those are foreign words to us because probably most of us go through most of our days, maybe all of our days, not feeling hated by anybody because of Christ. And yet Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, will have to go the way of suffering. So why the necessity of suffering? Why does there have to be so much suffering? Jesus suffering. Us Suffering. Who wanna live godly in Christ Jesus. Well, that's what we're going to look at this morning as we look at these passages and Jesus' path towards the cross. In 1 John 3:8, it says: the reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The reason Jesus came was to destroy the works of the devil. So let me ask you a question. If someone entered your home this afternoon while you're there, and they came purposefully to destroy your home, what you've accomplished there, do you think you might put up some resistance? Or at least call 911? Well, of course, and and that's what we're talking about here. As Jesus, the Son of God, intentionally came to destroy the evil work of the enemy who came and comes and is here to steal and kill and destroy, there's a battle going on. (laughs) This is war we're talking about here. This confrontation as we're heading to the cross, the way of suffering, this confrontation had been looming way back since the Garden of Eden, if you remember. In Genesis 3.15, what did God promise? That the seed of the woman would do what? Would crush the head of the serpent, the devil. The serpent, the devil, who came and, and tricked Adam and Eve and got them to abandon their obedience to God, live independently of God, and cast them into sin, separation from God and death and, 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 and what we see in our world today. And, and that's why Jesus came was to destroy those works that the devil came to do and, and that he's doing today. And so there's this conflict ever since the Garden of Eden that's been going on. And, and as Jesus headed to the cross, this conflict was climaxing. This is a no-holds-barred, all-out attempt by the, de- by the d- devil to destroy the Redeemer, Jesus, the Son of God, before he would crush the head of the devil. So with that little background, I want us to walk through or walk with Jesus in his suffering as he heads toward Golgotha. Look back at Mark 15, if you would, with me. Mark 15, verse verse 16. We're going to see four things as, as Jesus kind of walks through four stages here. The first one is here again. It says, notice verse 16. It says, The soldiers, after Pilate turned him over to the will of the people, the soldiers led Jesus away into the palace and called together the whole company of soldiers. And they put a purple robe on him and and they twist together these vines of thorns into a crown. And they, they cram it on his head. And they begin to call out to him, mocking him, Hail, King of the Jews. And with this crown of thorns on his head, they, notice what it says, again and again, they strike him on the head. With this staff striking the crown of thorns on his head, digging those thorns deeper into his head. And while they're doing this, they spit on him. And then falling on their knees, they mockingly pay homage to him. And then they take off his purple robe, which by then had probably begun to dry on his back from the the horrible cruel flogging that he'd just undergone that had just left his back in, in ribbons of flesh and, and they take off that robe and, and open up those wounds again and they put on his own clothes and they lead him out to crucify him as we walk with Jesus what's the first thing we see I think the first thing we see is the demonic reality behind suffering I mean how else do you explain the sport that these soldiers are getting out of this out of this guy that they've never even met before that that they don't have anything against he's done nothing to them, and yet just out of sport gathering like vultures around him they they proceed to abuse him and, and mock him and, and beat on him and, and torture him. As I read these words, it immediately reminded me of Ephesians 6, where Paul says, our battle, our warfare isn't against flesh and blood. That, this isn't just guys that have a grudge. This is the demonic reality behind suffering. Our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers, the rulers of this world, the demonic reality that surrounds our world. The unspeakable ugliness of Jesus' suffering and ours when we suffer with Jesus, I believe, is a glimpse into the true reality behind the ugliness of suffering as Jesus heads towards the cross. But what else do we see? If you'd turn with me to John. We're in Mark, Luke, John, chapter 19. As Jesus has been abused by the soldiers here, they put the crown of thorns on him and beat on him. Mark, uh, John chapter 19, look at verses 16 and 17. As Pilate hands Jesus over to them to be crucified, it says the soldiers took charge of Jesus, and that's what we read about in Mark 15. Verse 17, carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, and it 's called the place of a skull for a reason, right, because of all the dead bodies that have hung on crosses there, carrying his own cross and that 's the second step that we see as we walk with Jesus towards the crosses, after flogging him, which killed most people, left his back in ribbons, profusely bleeding. Making sport of him, now they cause him to carry his own cross. His strength absolutely depleted. He collapses again and again. The question is, why doesn't he just pick up the cross and jog up to Golgotha and get it over with? It's because he's a real human. This isn't, um, this isn't a Hollywood movie. This is real human suffering because he became like us. He who was in the very form of God, God himself humbled himself and became a man, a complete human being in every way except for our sin. And, And the second thing we see as we walk with Jesus in his suffering is not only the demonic reality behind suffering, but his complete identification with us in our humanity in his suffering. Do you see that? Isn't it amazing what he chose, what he purposefully chose in order to be our savior? identification with our suffering. is that an amazing Savior? But we move on. I want you to go back to Mark chapter 15, if you would. Mark chapter 15, as, as we walk on with Jesus. Mark 15. And look at verses 21 through 23. Again. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon. Now, Cyrene is in North Africa. That's where Simon's from. The father of Alexander and Rufus, he was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry Jesus' cross as Jesus depleted of strength and, and collapsing over and over again. And the soldier's getting a little impatient because... They got dinner waiting, and they don't like the inconvenience of having to kill this guy. You know, kind of getting in the middle of the midst of their schedule, and so impatient, not wanting, wanting you know to have to push him along. They force this Simon guy to carry Jesus's cross, and they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And then they offered Jesus wine mixed with myrrh, which was like a um, analgesic; it was to numb the pain, but he did not take it. And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes. The th- third step we see as Jesus walks toward the cross is: it's not just the demonic reality of suffering, and, and, and you've got to see that when you when you look at a place like North Korea, or Iran, or you know these places where followers of Jesus are just are butchered and you say how could people do that to people? Any kind of abuse, how could people do that to people? Uh, the demonic reality of suffering. The amazing identification of Jesus with our humanity. But here it kind of changes a little bit and I believe the third thing we see is is God wanting us to see the need of one another in suffering. We need one another in suffering. Not to help one another avoid suffering by shallow living or encouraging one another to compromise, but but to weep with one another. As we, as one of our brothers or sister weeps, as it says in Hebrews thirteen seven, remembering the one who is mistreated, as if we ourselves were the one suffering. In the wilderness, after fasting for forty days, you might remember Jesus. After experiencing the brunt of the devil's testing, Jesus was ministered to by angels, and we think, why? Because well, he was human. <laughs> And he was identifying with us in our suffering and our humanity. And so Jesus, at this time of intense suffering, also needed someone. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I love how the Bible just makes things real. Jesus needed someone at this time in the midst of his suffering as a human being. And that someone is Simon. He didn't volunteer for the job. (laughs) It says he just happened to be there, and the soldiers forced the cross upon him. But how he was needed by Jesus, and and I love the wording here because it also shows what a blessing, I believe, this became to Simon as he supported Jesus in his suffering by carrying his cross. You notice what it says here. It says a certain man from Cyrene, Simon the father of Alexander and Rufus. And those words, I think, indicate that this Simon was so impacted by the carrying of Jesus' cross that he was forced to carry, that it changed his life. Face to faith with such amazing love, it, it changed him and he became the father of Alexander and Rufus, two men well known in the, in the New Testament church. Alexander, probably the one referred to in Acts 19, 33, and Rufus in Romans 16, 13. The need of one another in suffering and the blessing and the benefit as we identify with one another in the midst of suffering. And then finally, we see, if you want to turn back to Luke 23, we re- read it earlier as we come to the last step of Jesus on the way to the cross. Luke 23, verse 26. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way and from the country, and they put the cross on him. They made him carry it behind Jesus. And and now there's this large number of people following Jesus, including this throng of women who are mourning and wailing and weeping for him as he walks towards the cross. It's interesting, isn't it what Jesus, he turns and he says to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and your children. Why are they weeping? Well, it's obvious because he's going to the cross, he's about ready to die. He's undergoing intense suffering. And Jesus says, but don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves. It it brings us back to his conversation with Peter in in Matthew chapter 16. Don't weep for me. It's why I came. It's why I came. It, it, It was to suffer and to die. But in saying, weep for yourselves and your children, I believe Jesus also gives a sober warning to these women and to us of the animosity of the enemy, the devil, that will be carried on beyond Jesus to his followers. Weep for yourselves and your children. This is war. And if they hated me, Jesus said, they'll hate you. The importance of perspective in suffering. I think that's the fourth thing that Jesus wants to see, us to see as, as he walks toward the cross. It's so easy to get our perspective skewed in the midst of suffering. As if suffering itself were evil. As if we need to avoid suffering when, when we're in the midst of a war. And the only way you can avoid suffering in a war is to be what? AWOL. And yet the good news, as we understand the perspective that we're in the midst of a war, is that the war is won. Jesus is on his way to the cross, and next week we're going to see him on the cross, and the week after we're going to see him risen from the tomb, that he's defeated the devil, he rose victorious, he's in heaven with all authority, and he lives to daily intercede for us who are his followers. So as Jesus arrives at Golgotha to be crucified, I just want to ask, what should our response then be as we've witnessed His suffering on our behalf, to redeem and provide salvation for us? What should our response be? Two responses, I think number one, we should we should be like Simon, I, I think who who was so overwhelmed by the love of this man whose cross he was carrying. Uh, so overwhelmed with gratitude that it changed his life. Amazing love. How can it be that you, my God, would die for me? And then, and then second, I think our response, not just overwhelming gratitude but if we have that overwhelming gratitude if we understand that love that we should be willing to share also in his suffering. In Philippians 3:10 Paul says I want to know this is his passion. He says I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. I think if, if one of us were to write that, it would sound more like this. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Period. And yet if we're in a war like we are, and as it says in John ten ten, the the adversary, our adversary, the devil, is out to steal, kill, and destroy. There isn't going to be any engagement in this battle without suffering. It's war. There's an old hymn. I uh, found it with a Google search last night. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. The consecrated cross I'll bear till death shall set me free and then go home my crown to wear for there's a crown for me. Upon the crystal pavement, down at Jesus' pierced feet, joyful I'll cast my golden crown and his dear name repeat. O precious cross, O glorious crown, O resurrection day, ye angels from the stars come down and bear my soul away. That hymn uh, was originally read, Shall Simon Bear the Cross Alone, and Other Saints Be Free. Um, Thomas Shepard, the author, wrote this hymn after preaching about Simon Peter who requested to be crucified upside down uh, because he didn't consider himself worthy to be crucified right side up. Uh, In the same way as a Savior. Shepard wrote it in 1693 and years later made his own decision to take up the cross and follow Jesus. He left the Church of England, where he was a pastor and unable to proclaim the gospel as he thought the gospel should be proclaimed, and so became an independent preacher in order to proclaim the gospel. So how do we do that? Proclaim the gospel, live like Christ wants us to live when it involves suffering. And for us, that could be rejection or misunderstanding, loneliness, mocking, accusations, slander, gossip who is sufficient for these things i think the answer is the last phrase in philippians 3:10 where paul says i want to know the power of resurrection the fellowship of sharing in his suffering becoming like him in his death is how he c- concludes that phrase and the point is this is that when what christ accomplished on the cross becomes more and more a reality in my life, becoming like him in his death, in our thinking, in our behaving, the stunning reality of that will compel us to share in his sufferings that others might know His love. What about you? Just to kind of conclude here, sometimes that seems like too much. The sharing, the bearing of Christ's cross in the battle for people, for their eternal salvation. And I must confess that um, I didn't feel up to preaching this sermon today. I didn't, as I have felt the last days, the weight of it, the ugliness of it, suffering. Um, And as I was finishing this sermon, uh, well, at the same time, my heart was being wrenched within me over individuals that I deeply care about and are falling in the battle, that are wounded in the battle where the enemy seems to be winning and honestly at times I don't know what to do or how to pray or even that my prayers are going past the ceiling. Have you been there? Well this isn't just theory you know, this is reality sharing the suffering of Christ in the battle for the eternal salvation of people and I'll tell you what got me through this morning as I was finishing this up and and pondering these truths, sharing, bearing the suffering of Christ in our desire to see the salvation of eternal souls. What got me through was this. It was a song by Hillsong on YouTube that I listened to at full tilt about 20 times while I was finishing up and I think it captures well What our consuming focus needs to be if we want to be people who share with Christ in his sufferings for the salvation of people. It's called Savior King. I'll read it, I won't sing it for you. (laughs) Let now the weak say, I have strength. By the spirit of power that raised Christ from the dead, let now the poor stand and confess that my portion is him, and I'm more than blessed. Let now our hearts burn with a flame, a fire consuming all for your son's holy name, and with the heavens we declare you are our king. We love you, Lord. We worship you. You are our God, and you alone are good. Let now your church shine as the bride that you saw in your heart as you offered up your life. Let now the lost be welcomed home by the saved and redeemed, those adopted as your own. Let now our hearts burn with a flame, a fire consuming all for your son's holy name. And with the heavens we declare you are king. We love you, Lord. We worship you. You are our God. You alone are good. You asked your son to carry this, the heaven-heavy cross, our weight of sin. I love you, Lord. I worship you. Hope which was lost now stands renewed. I give my life to honor this, the love of Christ, the Savior King. Let now our hearts burn with a flame, a fire consuming all for your son's holy name. And with the heavens we declare, you are our king. We love you, Lord. We worship you. You are God. You alone are good. You asked your son to carry this, the heavy cross, our weight of sin. I love you, Lord. I worship you. Hope which was lost now stands renewed. I give my life to honor this, the love of Christ, the Savior King. Are we sharing the suffering of Christ? Are we avoiding the suffering of Christ? We need to afresh see our Savior King on his way to the cross, bearing our pain, our sin, for our salvation. And I encourage you as we share in communion uh, this morning together that that you use this time as as a time of remembering Jesus' suffering on your behalf for your salvation and make it a fresh determination to live your life for the one who died for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you for your unspeakable suffering on our behalf for our salvation. Amen.